Well, I want to talk about uh, today, I want to talk about godliness. But before I do that, I want to kind of build up to the message why I think that this is such an important uh, part of what Scripture talks about and teaches for us to embrace and to really um, pursue in our lives. And, you know, the church of God, His people, Christ came and He did His work on the cross and, and so that every person that believed in Him could experience salvation. And when He was here and doing that, in the work that he did on the cross, he, he released the power in his children to be able to establish his church in this earth. And basically, the church is God's answer to how we are to advance the kingdom of God in a fallen and broken world. We as God's children, we all know this, we dwell, we live in a broken, fallen world where evil is at every corner and that destruction is out to get God's people. But God made a provision. He, he had a plan to conquer that darkness so that, so that his kingdom could be advanced and that was established in his church. So the church is set up to win. The church is set up to advance the kingdom of heaven and push back the powers of darkness that are present in our, in our world today. Each and every one of us are aware of the fact, and, and will continue to be, that there is evil in this world because as we go through our lives, we are subject to the attacks and the uh, assaults of that evil and the enemy on our lives as we move through our days on this earth. We, are, we will be more and more aware of that each and every day as we walk closer with God. And the church is set up to win that battle. If you got your Bibles with me, go to Matthew chapter 16. I actually talked about this scripture uh, a couple weeks ago. This is when Simon Peter is uh, talking to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, you know, who do you say that I am? I know a lot of people are saying different things about me. Who, who do you say that I am, Peter? And so he says that you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. For you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven." This is a powerful, powerful passage that has been studied so many times through the ages, and rightly so, and rightly preached and talked about. And in this, in this scripture, basically what Peter is saying is he's saying that he, what, what he, he doesn't even probably realize to the full extent what he's saying, but Jesus does. He's saying, you have a revelation. You've received a revelation from my Father in heaven, not by your own understanding. You haven't figured this out in your own intellect, but you've received a revelation that I am Jesus, the Son of God. And on that revelation, on that truth, you will help establish and build my church. And whatever that you loose in this earth and bind in this earth, Meaning, whatever you, however you deal with and however you walk in authority against the evil that is threatening all of the things that I am purposing to do, you have authority over that. 
that you have the ability because of that revelation, because of the work I'm doing, because of who I am and the power that's going to be working and operating in you, you have the ability, as do all of the children of God whose Christ, who the Holy Spirit lives in, have the ability to push back the powers of darkness in their life and to advance the kingdom of God and to see the purposes and the will of God for each and every person in their own individual life fulfilled and walked out and accomplished while we're on this earth before we go to be with God in heaven. So the church is set up to win. God gave us the authority to advance the kingdom of darkness or advance his kingdom and push back the powers of darkness on this earth. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, it says God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So God is using his church. His church is the, is the, the, the representation of his perfect plan, of his wisdom, of his uh, provision to be able to advance the kingdom of God on this earth, even though darkness and evil is present. And, and actually, that same scripture, I like this in the message version too. It says, though followers or through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. And so what the point I'm trying to make is I'm trying to really establish this foundation that the church of God, as God intended it to and ordained it to and set it up to, is his answer and his solution for the, the evil that works in this world to be pushed back, to be put to at bay, to be overcome, and for his children and for his purposes, God's, to be advanced and fulfilled while, on, while we are on this earth. The light should be overwhelming the darkness and advancing the kingdom in spite of resistance. But this is the question that, that I ask myself and many people because really when you look at our landscape, and I don't think anybody would disagree with me on this, and I'm not going to get real political, but when you look at the landscape in the United States today, our nation, founded on God, you could make a really good argument that we are not winning the battle, that we are not seeing the kingdom of heaven advanced at a faster rate than darkness is spreading over our land. Would you agree with that? I mean, you could make that case. I mean, you look around at what's happening today, and the basic, I'm talking about basic principles in the Bible, commands, uh, morals, there is a deterioration across the fabric of our society of the things that the, the Christian faith has been established and built upon. The very beginning stages of establishing God's reign in this earth, the very uh, things at the heart of what we are all about are being threatened. People in the leadership of our country who lead us and guide us are confused and deceived. There is division on almost every front that you go to. It is a mess. It is a mess in our nation today. And this is what really bothers me. And I hope that this bothers you too. And I'm saying this in the context of I believe that there is, God has a plan and that we have, we are going to have the victory. But when you look at the population of the United States, there are 320 million people that live in this country. 
actually a little over 313 million. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau as of 2010. 313 million people. So then I thought, I wonder how many people out of those 313 are Christian. And then the statistic that I found is pretty alarming. 250 million people in our country profess to be or adhere to the Christian faith. That's almost 80%. Now, on one hand, I think that that is an amazing thing because the people that adhere to the Christian faith that truly profess Jesus as Lord and confess that with their mouth and believe that in their heart, we're going to spend eternity with them. And I, I mean, I re rejoice in that. That is, that is obviously the first, first battle that we fight, is to see people saved and see their, their soul saved. But I got to tell you that to have 80% of the people in our nation adhering to the Christian faith and to see this kind of difficulty in winning and advancing the kingdom is a little bit alarming. It's just, it's, a, it's more than a little bit alarming. Why is that so? Have you ever thought of that? Think of that. Why is that so? Why, if, if there's 80% of the people with the Holy Spirit living inside of them, all power and authority given to them that Jesus gave to us, why is it so much of a struggle to advance God's purposes and His will and His kingdom in this land? And there are a lot of directions that I f could probably go and a lot of things that I could say about this, many which are very deserving of time and attention. But I, I really believe that such a huge part of what we see behind this difficulty has to do with the fact that even though we have so many people that have received Christ as their Savior and get to spend eternity in heaven with Him, that there is a large portion of people that will never fully walk or even attempt to walk in the purposes and the plans that God has for them in their lives. In the Bible, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul says something very profound. And, and this, this is something that just I, just, I can't get this one out of my mind on a regular basis. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And in the Greek, that word live basically means to be made alive. And so we understand that as we live, because we've been made alive by the Holy Spirit through the rebirth, uh, through the second birth, and through you know, being saved when we accept Christ as our Savior. But it occurred to me, so powerfully that we could actually be made alive by the Spirit, but not be walking in the Spirit. That we could actually have Christ, the Holy Spirit, living in us, but we could be walking through our days in this earth in such a way that we never actually step foot into the footprints of the plans and the purposes that God has ordained for us to live in in victory since before the beginning of time. That we could spend our entire days never actually realizing and, and, and seeing these amazing things come to pass. And that makes me very, very passionate 
about helping people not only that are not in church, that are not saved and have heard the gospel, but even those that have, to walk out the purposes that God has for them in their lives. Because I understand that all of the fullness and all of the joy and all of the happiness and all of the victory and all of the power that each of us so desperately desire is found in those steps and nowhere else. But we attempt to make every effort to try and find that happiness and that victory and that joy and the answers to all the problems. We want to find those. We want to find it. But so many times we make efforts to do everything but just come right back to walking in the steps and, saying, and, and submitting to God saying, wait a minute, God, whatever your plan for me is, that's the one I want because what I'm seeking, that's where I'm going to find it. And anything else I try to do to find it, I will fall short. I will miss the mark. I will, I will verge off of the path at some point that you have laid for me. And so I just get this understanding that really my desire is not about trying to figure out all of the blueprints for my life and, and trying to see the manual for the days and the months and the years ahead of what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it because I can't do that. My, my desire is to draw close to the one who designed the blueprint and to just be so close to him that I'm walking in this, this place of peace and, and, and harmony with him every day because I'm just stepping one foot after the next after the next into the plans that he has for me. And I'm seeing the joy and the happiness and the victory and the battles that he's winning through me. And I'm seeing all these things happen. And my only effort is to stay close and cling fast to him so that I am in that relationship to be able to uh, experience what I need to experience on a daily basis to keep me in alignment for walking out his plans for me. I can't do that on my own. I need, a, I need God in his mercy and his grace and by the power of his spirit to actually help me walk that out. Where he says that as you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. That word walk in the Greek actually means, if you study that, to walk by a way of rule. To like they, they use that a lot of times in battle formations, whenever generals and, and people would line these guys up and they would, they would move them in formations. And so they, when they walked, they didn't actually walk where they wanted to. They walked where they were ordered to. So when we walk by the Spirit, understand it's not some effort of our personal laboring to figure out where that next step goes we're actually walking by the rule of the holy spirit that's in us leading us and guiding us and allowing him to basically take us into each place we go one after the next not trying to labor on our end to to, to intellectually solve these like it's some sort of riddle, what, is, what does God have for me today or next month or next year? But to just, just to disconnect from that altogether, that, that pursuit of thinking and you're going to figure it out and to just cling to him and allow that Holy Spirit that's living in you as a child of God to rule you, to, to help you walk by rule so that he leads and guides your every step. And in doing so, in doing so, 
you will find yourself day by day, month by month, year by year, living out in fullness the purposes and the plans that God has for you. Now look, I'm not saying that we'll never make a wrong step, because you will. What I'm saying, though, is that if your heart's desire is to cling to the Creator, to the one that designed the plan, and not try to figure out the plan, and let Him lead you and guide you, even if you do find yourself in a place where you verge off a little bit, you will begin to sense so quickly and so fastly the, the, the sense that you've, you've off, veered off course of God where he's leading you to go that you will very quickly be brought back into alignment and continue to get right back in those steps that God has for you. And in, and in the church, God's church, the answer to the, to the problems in the world, each and every person that's a member of his church living in the fullness of the plan that God gave for them collectively is where the, the church functions as it's intended to. We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about how in, was it 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about living, how we are living stones making up the, the temple. The temple is being the body of Christ or the church and how each person that has a plan for their life, a unique plan that God has given them, how that each person functioning that, walking in that, is playing their role in the bigger picture, the body of Christ, as the living stone that they were intended, that their life was intended to be. And how if it's out of function, if, the, if people are not walking in the purposes and plans that God has for them, then they are not fulfilling that role that they are created to fulfill in the body of Christ overall as their part the stone doing their part in the overall body. And what I'm saying is that I, I believe that that's a big part of the issue that we have, is that the vast majority of the people, though, that adhere to the Christian faith are not endeavoring and, and devoted to pursuing this plan, this purpose that God has for them specifically in their life. And so they're walking through life off course and so the power and the authority that's in that life is not really evident on a daily basis. And so collectively, overall, the church is, is lacking that from a majority of its members, if I can say that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 12 through 14, Paul says, For as the body is one... And has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. So just like we understand the body, the human body, has many members, and if a member is ailing or... Uh, you know, suffering some sort of harm or injury or anything, then really the, the, the optimal functioning of the body is in turn affected by that. And we are all members of this body of Christ. We all have an individual role. Now that's pretty powerful right there in itself to think that each life sitting here in this room 
has a, a very large role in place to fill in the overall body of Christ, which is affecting the advancement of the kingdom of God in this broken world. That is a powerful revelation. Powerful. But my point is, is that if we're all members of that body, then we all have a role to play. We all have a function to play in the, in the overall body of Christ so that the overall body performs at its optimal level. I love that. Because now it takes away the whole idea that any Christian, any person in church could look around and say, what I do really isn't important. It's okay if I just sit back and don't do my part. It's okay if I still walk in sin, you know, because I know God loves me. It's okay if, if everybody, well, they're doing all the stuff. The church is doing great. The giving is good. Everything's fine. There's really not a need here. It totally takes that away because every single member of the body has a role to fill. And when it's not filled, there is a void left in the optimal functioning ability of the body. That's the way God set it up. Now, God doesn't, it didn't have to be that way. God is God. So he could just whew, make everything perfect all the time, but he doesn't. He gave his children choice of free will and the ability to walk in his plans that he created for them or not walk in them. And we know this is true. We know God has a plan for every single person after they receive him as their savior and after they secure their eternal life in heaven. We know that. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God says, For I know the thoughts that I, ha I have towards you, says the Lord. Not thoughts of evil, but of peace, to give you a future and a hope. I could give you all kinds of scriptures, but I'll just give you that one. Because you can see clearly all through the Bible that God didn't just create man. He didn't just set up a, a provision through his son for man to get saved, to go spend eternity with him. But he actually designed a plan each and every day for your life while you're here on this earth. And that plan involves you playing your role in the body of Christ and advancing the kingdom of God in this broken world so that more can be with us when we get there. Absolutely true. So when we read through Scripture and we say, okay, God, you know, I want to I walk in your ways. I want to walk the plan that you have for me, and I want to see the, the fullness of everything that you've designed and created for my life. I'm abandoning the idea that, that I can somehow figure out how to have the most happiness or have the best career or be the best husband. I'm, just, I'm abandoning these things altogether, and I'm saying I'm just selling out to your plan for my life. I'm going to be committed to that, and as I walk in that, I know that all of these other things that I was thinking about, they're going to happen because you're going to see that it comes to pass not by my own ability. If you go to the Bible in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses uh, 6 through 11, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's talking about this idea of godliness. Before we put that scripture up, hold on just a second. So, so godliness, just that term in itself, we know that the Bible uh, employs us and just commands us to live you know, godly, to pursue godliness, which that word just in itself implies that, you know, one that has characteristics or qualities that are reflective of God himself, right? We, we understand that. But what's interesting is that godliness, if you study that further in the Greek, it also really means 
really to just be devoted to God, to just be devoted to Him and pursuing Him in all of His ways in such a way that those things are coming to pass. So I think where a lot of times people get maybe off track in the pursuit of what God has for them is they, they get too focused on trying to do the things that they think are representative of what a godly person should be. And they try to labor and they strive to discipline themselves in such a way where they, they are all of the things that the Bible tells us to do and would be so that they are a godly person, that they finally get to a point where they realize that you can never actually do this on your own. And so the idea of godliness being devoted to God basically opens up the understanding for us that it's not about trying to come up with a, a, a disciplined life that walks out all of the qualities that God has for us or that wants, he wants us to walk in. But it's about living devoted to God where we're determined to seek him and pursue him and allow him to work through us so that all of those things, those, those great qualities that a godly person reflects will be evident in our lives. You know, when you look at a tree and the fruit that it bears... We pick the fruit, we eat the fruit, we enjoy the fruit. But many times we're not mindful of the fact that there's nothing that the fruit did to produce itself, right? That it's everything that the tree did beneath the surface with the roots, with the nutrients flowing through the branches, and then the fruit is just produced. The tree doesn't have to strain to produce fruit, it just functions in the way it's supposed to function by having a healthy root system and by having nutrients flowing through it and being in good soil. And then what happens as a byproduct of that tree functioning the way it's supposed to is that it just produces fruit all the time. And people get to enjoy that. And much the same in our lives, we are not about the ability of trying to produce fruit. We are about the ability internally of seeking God and functioning in the way he has created us to function as our, in our role, as our place in the member, members of the body. And then the fruit that comes from that godly life will just be evident and popping up all around us day after day. And the people that God has positioned in our lives will get to partake of that. Not because we are trying to create it, or produce it in a certain situation that we think requires it, but because it's just flowing out of us as God chooses it to. Does that make sense? It's just, there's such a difference in laboring to try to do these things. You can, in the pursuit of godliness, you could never be godly because you could try to do it all so much on your own that it would never actually be authentic. You know, Meaning you're concerned more with what the outward appearance looks like than you are with what the internal process of changing and transformation that God is doing in you that's happening. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 39 to the Pharisees, he said, You Pharisees, you make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. And so... This gives us such a powerful understanding that 
things can look so good on the outside, but yet on the inside, they could be as dirty as you've ever, you could ever imagine. And at the same point, we can't get so caught up in looking around to see all of these evidences of things ourselves that that begins to persuade us and move us and shift us in the way that we're to be and we stop looking to God internally to lead us and direct us. That is one of the, the places where people get off the mark is that they start to, okay, this is what godliness should be or this is what a godly life should be. And so they, they labor hard to try to do these things without, the, without the, the heart of it, without God really leading them and, and shaping them along the way. And it just happening naturally as an outflow of the godly life that they can get totally distracted and caught up in all this and, and miss the idea that, that God is wanting to just do a work on the inside of them and continually cleanse them and change them and transform them all the way through this life that, that they, they never actually grab hold of that. This is kind of a funny story, but our kids, you know, our sec, uh, one of the twins, Alyssa, she's, she's probably our best eater. You know, I mean, she eats the best. She eats the good foods. I mean... She really, she does great. And you know, I mean, kids, sometimes it's a struggle to get them to eat right. Right, Brennan? Yeah, right? Hayden, right? So, um, so anyway, Alyssa, she's kind of our best eater. And for a while, you know, just, man, she's eating her vegetables. She's just, she's doing awesome. You know, we'd tell the other girls, hey, guys, look, you know, Alyssa's doing a great job. We'd, we'd praise her in front of the kids, but not compare her, you know, all that stuff. So, one day... <laughs> I'm cleaning up. I think we're having company over. And our, our kids, the twins and Evie, they sit in those little booster seats, and they just, they just strap onto the chair, and they don't come off, you know. And we put a towel over the chair. We put the booster seat down and strap it down. And so they just they get in that chair, and that's where they sit every day. They don't get clean very often, okay, all the time. I'm sorry, babe. I didn't mean to. You're great. Backing myself in a corner here. I'm getting off course. Uh, um, so, so we're cleaning up, getting ready for company. And so it, it's time to pull the chair up, you know, and take the towel off and, and kind of wipe everything down. And I pulled up her chair and on the side, there's like a little slot for whatever reason, there's like a hole in the side of the chair. And I guess I didn't realize that she could fit her hand in that hole. And I pulled up that booster, and there were however many days worth of vegetables and broccoli and everything laying on this chair. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was, I mean, you can only imagine. So what's my point? <laughs> my point is her dish was clean. Her plate was clean every night whenever she was stepping off the table. But... Really, those nutrients weren't making their way into her body the way that we thought they were. That was my point. And so, you know, the pursuit of godliness is godly. That in itself has the inherent quality of being an, an ongoing, never fully attained, continual, progressional pursuit. When the Bible tells us to pursue godliness, that word pursuit means to, to be relentless and never thwarting, never deviating, never veering off 
of the course that you're set upon. And so in the pursuit of godliness, to, to be more like him so that we are reflecting more of his image in our lives and that more of him is evident and more of his plans are, are being fulfilled in our lives, that pursuit is really about just pursuing God himself and pursuing what he has for us and wants for us and allowing, just like the Bible says, for us to continue to be, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 3, chapter 18, all of us with unveiled face continue to be hold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in every increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit as we are pursuing God and what he has for us and we are devoted to him in our lives and seeing his plans and his purposes come to pass through that devotion and connection, the Holy Spirit is able to be busy about the work continually of ever transforming us in our lives from the inside out to be more of a reflection of his son and more of a reflection of who God is so that there are more of God's kingdom purposes advanced and fulfilled in this earth through our life as our role as that member of the body was ordained to accomplish. And that is a powerful thing. We are to be busy about the work of just being devoted to God and pursuing Him and seeking Him and what He has for us through prayer, through fellowship in the body of Christ, through studying the Word of God and, and just uh, and, and, and aiming ourselves in that direction that just says, God, we are coming after you and what you have for us. I don't need a blueprint for my life. I don't need it. I, I want to know, okay, what's happening. I want to know what I'm supposed to do a month from now, a year from now. I'm no different than any other human being. I want to know. But I'm okay with the fact that I will probably never know most of that. And then I will be able to pursue him. And as I'm pursuing him, I'll get glimpses along the way of, of what my life's going to be and what, what's going to happen and what he wants me to do. But it's just in the moments, in the steady harmonic flow of walking in that rhythm of grace with him, that really all of those purposes are just happening step by step as we stay in alignment with God and what he has for us. And we will really look back more often than looking forward and say, wow, the journey that God had prepared for me was absolutely amazing. And the, the walk and the joy and everything I experienced along the way was beyond my wildest dreams. Amen. You know, Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 23, he said, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that are going to happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Whew. Holy Spirit, move in this place today. Thank you, Father. I go bound in the spirit, not knowing what awaits me except the trains and chains and tribulations. He got a glimpse of what was coming. 
but he didn't really know how it was going to play out. But what did he say? Be it as it may, I'm bound to this, this plan that God has for me. I'm bound to it. I'm chained to it. It doesn't matter where it goes. Left or right, up or down, I'm sold out. I'm on for the whole ride. And I know that even in those chains, and even in those tribulations, even in your suffering, even in your heartache, even in the difficult moments that your life faces, as you walk through his plans in, in your lifetime and the pursuit of godliness and God is shaping you and transforming you more and more to be like him, he's using those things to do that. And even in those sufferings and those tribulations, God's plan will still be fulfilled for you. And that is such a powerful thing. Daniel walked into captivity, but God's plan was fulfilled. Joseph went into slavery, but God's plan was fulfilled. Paul went into prison, but God's plan was fulfilled. Jesus went to the cross and died for you, but his plan was fulfilled perfectly. So don't get caught up in the external stuff that's going on. Survey it, look at it, celebrate it, but it's an internal matter. The pursuit of godliness is an internal matter, and it takes the supernatural God to see it through. He is the transforming one. He is the the power behind all that we seek to live a powerful life. We can't separate that and have anything else but not his true purpose and plan for our life. It's difficult sometimes to walk through things that you don't think should be happening. You don't think they fit. But I just got to tell you, that's why being bound in the Spirit is the way we have to live. Because we have to be able to put the need to understand the process of the transformation and what's happening inside underneath and seeing all the ways that God is shaping us and fitting us and, and, and molding us to be more like Him. We have to just let go of the need for all of that so that we stay bound in the Spirit above all things as the higher priority so that we can continue to walk through those steps even through the fires and the difficult times that life will bring. Let's stand to our feet.